0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hangover Podcast. I am sitting in the poorhouse basement. We are not yet sponsored by the poorhouse, but we're working on it. Because <laughs> I keep filming here, or keep taping here. Uh, I'm with Michael Shu, who taught last Thursday night. It is uh, it is Tuesday. I was out of town, and so uh, he stepped in to to teach for us. And so, yeah, he's here with me today, and we're going to hang over a little bit. Um, yeah. Mike, how was it?
1: Uh it was good. It was good. Um, it was interesting, because I've never... So, I think it was, what, Monday? Uh, Monday or Tuesday, I think it was Monday, when initially was asked to come in and teach and I never um, developed a message in just a few days Of so that was an interesting thing to work through and so what I ultimately decided on was or at least thought about was you know why am I trying to come up with a sermon you know 20-30 minute sermon in a span of a couple of days when I'm when I know I'm not that type of person like I like I think Bill a couple of weeks ago said it well like he he is not somebody who every week can deliver a sermon and and he's one of those people that has to sit and process and kind of let it marinate a little bit uh, and so for me at least at this point in my life like that's how I am too like I, I like to sit I like to process and just kind of ruminate on on the passage of scripture and on the the surrounding. Yeah, you know context and literature around the passages. So, like for me, like I'm a. What did the short window feel like then? Yeah, um, I mean it's it was a little stressful. Uh, stressful in the sense of like, you know, I've mentioned this to you and to Bill and to other people before, but like when you're dealing with something like giving a sermon, like that's you're dealing with potential like eternal ramifications, and so for me, that's not something I like to take. Or I would want to take lightly, yeah, for sure. um, and so for me, it kind of I kind of settled on like, why do I need to try to come up with this twenty to thirty minute sermon when there are so many people, so many students in like in attendance that I know have read through the passage of scripture before encounter, mm-hmm. who ha- have insights, <laughs> thoughts, questions, sometimes concerns, because you know the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira, which we talked about, were not. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of a hard thing to swallow sure. um, for some people, and so you know, I decided to to treat it more of, I guess, like a large, very large small group. Uh, I think that's how I, I, <laughs> I, that's how I phrased it. Uh-huh. Of, we read through scripture and we just kind of talked about it. You know, I asked I asked the students, "What did you see in this? What questions do you have? What is what's just not sitting right initially with you?" Like. You know what do you what you find that's interesting? Like what popped off the page of you? Yes. Um. And they had some really great answers, and then I just kind of said, "Here's what I'm seeing after you know reading through it, sitting on it for a few days, reading a little bit about the mm-hmm. about the passage, and then um, yeah, it was
0: good. That's was my good. favorite way to teach. Uh, it's something that I intend to do whether I'm at CSF Encounter or even." In Sherwood, uh, mm-hmm. I'm off to the west side in a couple weeks, and I fully intend to stop at least twice per sermon and let the room engage with Scripture. So um, I'm thrilled you did it that way. What is what is the response when you invite people to to speak back?
1: I think the the biggest thing is is one it keeps people engaged simply you know, uh, when you're, when you're tasked with doing something alongside whoever's giving a message, you know, you, I don't want to use the word forced, but like, you know, you're expected to, to do something. Right. So you you kind of pay attention a little bit. Um, and two, I, I think what's also really important is how you know i think to make the faith your own you have to personally work through it and i think at least from my experience when i some sometimes when i sit and just strictly listen to a sermon and then you know sing a couple songs and leave like mm-hmm. did i actually process through that and i think allowing students or giving students the space to process through it with each other in like a you know two three four five person group and then as a bigger group uh, where students voices are heard where their questions and thoughts and concerns and issues with with the text are, are kind of brought up uh, is a great way for students to really not only engage with the text but engage with like their relationship with the Lord and their own personal uh, feelings and thoughts on the text I like that so it's kind of an all-encompassing like you're, you're by by asking students to talk about it, you're kind of asking them to cannonball into the deep end of like <laughs> of their own exploring their own faith because at that point it's like here's scripture deal with it you know <laughs> and then they're forced to deal with it rather than like here's scripture I'm going to teach you right. what I know
0: right i think that's something that i had to learn early on as a young pastor and and as you've said it out loud you'll continue to churn it in your head but The reality is I get to spend six, seven, eight hours over the span of a week preparing a monologue. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the conventional Western church approach. Uh, The expert produces a monologue. And I come from a school teaching background where I would never monologue my classroom. And so I couldn't figure out as a young pastor how to marry both worlds of mm. being a teacher who would never talk down to students in hand in hand with, with the, mm. the classical pastoral approach where I have the knowledge you need to listen to me which yeah. is by definition a top down approach so I think the, the idea of, of dialogue and stopping and harnessing the wisdom of the room mm. by inviting it even if someone doesn't say it out loud, they've already been forced, invited. Yeah, yeah. Force is
1: a very forceful word. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> they've been invited to engage the text, and I don't get to script that for them. But I, I love that. As I was flipping through your notes, that's the, that's the one right off the bat. I saw that you were doing that. You set them up with, we're going to read, but I want you to be aware of what your ABCD are feeling then the text that everybody got to see together, then A, B, C, D,
1: again. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, now I sit here and think about it more by asking students to engage in conversation with each other about the text and about kind of what we're going through. It also has a lot of other, I guess, effects in the sense of one it allows students to connect with each other so i know thinking back when i was a student and even now you know when we break into those small small little talking groups for three four five minutes at a time you know i get to talk about scripture about you know my my the inner depths of michael shu with other people some of which who i don't even know and i think that's what's so cool about the church and i think that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that Generally speaking, a lot of uh, areas of the church are missing right now. Is like actual actually entering into community and being vulnerable with other people. So like if I'm in a smaller group with people, some of whom I may know, some of whom I don't know, um, and I have to be vulnerable with them. I have to, <laughs> you know, be real with them. I don't know. It just builds connections. It builds friendships. It forces. Me out of my comfort zone in processing mm-hmm. what we're going through, nice so I think singing. I think that's like not not an unintended consequence of what we're doing, but like it's just an added absolutely uh benefit to it and also there's also other added benefits like it gives students space to go to the bathroom, right you know like all kinds of other stuff that yeah. like logistically help yeah. you know. The entire evening, too, because you know, like I've been there, you got to go to the bathroom, man. And (laughs) you don't, but you want to get up and right in the middle, but like, you know, everybody knows. Yeah, and even, even as you know, whoever's teaching, when they do that, they have a chance to like get a drink of water, go to the bathroom, like take a deep breath, recollect themselves. Allows the, you know, the the tech team to kind of, if they need to fix something, gives them like, there's so many logistical. Things that also are allowed to happen that can kind of keep everything moving smoothly without added pressure. I have a friend
0: who um, used to teach at a small church up in kind of rural Indiana, and um, it was a tough town to be Mm -hmm. a preacher in, and uh, he took breaks in the middle of his sermon in the same way, but they were smoke breaks Yep, because... People needed to go out, and they were in process of moving towards healing, but maybe hadn't kicked the habit perfectly, <laughs> and so if he didn't give the space, they were either jittery or they'd just leave on purpose, and so what he started to do was mix into his sermons space for people to care for themselves yeah. and be yeah. real people along the path towards following God, so yeah. super cool. Yeah. Okay, so I gave you a, a, a text that I affectionately called a criticism sandwich, which is you start positive, you put the criticism in the middle, but then you mm-hmm. end positive. Yeah. Whenever someone looks at uh, Acts chapter 5 and 6, really the only p- thing people remember is criticism. They only yeah. remember this little story about Ananias and Sapphira.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I So back in February I came in and taught about what I called the the judgment sandwich. You know, fig tree temple fig tree. That's awesome. I mean it was just judgment all the way straight through. Uh it wasn't like good, bad, good. It right. was just straight judgment. Straight um I think I even mentioned the judgment sandwich at some point in the yeah in the, yeah, the, yeah. The, over the course of the night. But yeah, I think You know when I when I when I when I hear you say you know it went from good to a section of kind of eh, kind of not great to back to a section of good. Right. I, I like to think of. Um,
0: That's funny. Kerry, I, said, I, I said
1: five six five.
0: I meant four. Yeah, four five. or
1: five. Right, yeah. Right. So I think I, I think back to to Kerry Curry, uh, his whole rural road analogy. You know, okay. like you know we're starting here in Bloomington, but we want to get to South Bend, right? Mm-hmm. The, the highway goes pretty much straight from here to South Bend. You know, 37, 465, 31, boom, go. Uh, but sometimes as we go, we kind of veer off on these, like, country roads, or roads that we shouldn't really be on, um, and eventually we have to find our way back to that main road that we're supposed to be on that's going to get us to, to that end destination. And so I kind of see... Um, that a little bit in this, and that, you know, the church is going, the church is doing great, you know, right. like one in heart, one in mind, um, you know, there's nobody needy among them, right. you know, this is Acts
0: 4.32, all the believers yeah. are of one mind, one heart, Yeah, mm-hmm. for the second time, we've seen this yeah. before, and now we see it again. Yep,
1: and then all of a sudden, some members in the church, specifically in this case, Ananias and Sapphira, doing some not so great things and so in order to however you want to look at it prevent the church from going on one of these side roads <laughs> or getting them immediately back on track popping a u-turn and getting right back on track the lord intercedes and says no like this is not happening um judges ananias and sapphira handles that situation and it's kind of like a wake-up call to the church of like oh we really need to pay attention to our you know GPS if you will aka <laughs> Jesus and so um, <laughs> um, so um, and then you know they're right back on track so it's almost like a speed bump almost um, a very serious one yeah I don't want to take it lightly but um, I think I think it's it, it points to how the Lord will always care mm. for the church. You know, Jesus is going to care for his bride um, and will continually guide and ensure that, you know, the church will continue on. Because that. especially like at this point in the church, you know, I mentioned that, you know, I, I made the the reference to like, you know, just a little bit of yeast in a clump of dough is going to really impact what that loaf looks like when it's baked. Yeah. So, like when you're at the start of anything, like you're running a, a 5K and you destroy yourself in the first mile, the last two miles are going to be awful and the end results isn't going to be as good yeah. if you pace yourself, if you do everything correctly along the way. Yo, and shout
0: so, out to, speaking of 5K, how about 50 miler shout out to Trent Timbrook? The kid just ran the Tahoe Rim Ultra Marathon. Oh. Fifty miles. Is that in the mountains too, (laughs) out top? Like fifteen thousand vertical feet (laughs) climb. So, (laughs) so in reality,
1: it probably felt more like seventy-five miles. So here's the thing. So he did he did fifty miles like straight, but also three miles up. (laughs) So (laughs) at a minimum, it's fifty-three miles. (laughs)
0: Crazy. His guy that he was running with, his partner, was sick the first twenty, and so Trent was completely bridled. Yeah in his like what he thought and so he said the back 30 he just crushed because he hadn't wasted any matches the first 20 he said he caught 12 people 14 12, 14 people in the back 6 miles as they were dying he just had power and it's the idea of yeah he was he was kept in check yeah yep and so interesting um, and I love that you connected that to Jesus will always love his bride, the church, mm-hmm. in a way that keeps her on the path. Right. In a way that keeps us effectively uh, bringing kingdom about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And so there's a part of it too where, like, I say that and then I also wrestle with, you know, the past almost 2,000 years of history looking at the church and the failures of the church, the things that have happened to the Capital C Church, like, all these things, like, I say that Jesus will always take care of the church, but I also have to remind myself, like, it may not always be what I think it should look like in the sense Mm -hmm. of, I mean, the church has gone through some rough times, you know? Like, not saying it hasn't. Um, Right. um, But, at least in this instance, it's very clear, like, yeah, um, Two. I have to digest that thought more, but yeah. two sermons ago
0: we had we had a space in a sermon where basically I just got to uh from the front <sighs> apologize for the ways that the Little Sea Church has hurt the Big Sea Church. Yes,
1: mm. if that makes sense. Yup. Well, yep. yeah, and I think What's inter- what I what I've really enjoyed like revisiting in in these early chapters of Acts is like this is what the the church is supposed to look like, and I even asked the question on Thursday like, what would it look like today if the church looked like this? Mm-hmm. And I was actually I was actually with my mom at Mother Bear's last night. She's in town, and, and we were talking a little bit about this. And Touché. I don't think that. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, I don't think that the church today is ready to be like this church we see in Acts, because the reality is, all of at least in the Western world in developed countries or first world countries, whatever the 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 term is, like we have all these creature comforts. You know, like, this is my house. This is my car. This is my retirement account. This is, you know, all this stuff. But if you notice, I said, this is my, you know, but you look at the text and it's it's essentially they're saying this is our, Mm -hmm. you know, like Barnabas takes his, his, his field and sells it and gives everything. People are giving their possessions. There It says there's no, no one who is needy Mm -hmm. among them. They were one in heart, one in mind. They, you know, they hung out together every day. Go back in the previous chapters, they always hung out at the church. Like, you know, that's what the church is supposed to look like. And then you got to ask yourself, is that what it looks like today? Mm-hmm. At Like, does the capital C church as a whole look like that today? Right. And the answer is no. Right. Um, and then you got to ask yourself, follow up is when we pray, you know, for God's kingdom and 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 for his will to be done and you know all oh, this stuff are we actually willing to make those sacrifices for that to become true And the answer you know in, in my heart is no like like I know me personally like do I want that to happen yes right now like in my i got to I got I to gotta work on my own heart cuz like naturally I don't think any of us want that mm. At least, at least in our first world, you know, cultural context, I don't think because we have all of this stuff, I don't think we feel like we need this. Does that make sense? It's kind of a raw thought. I'm still definitely working through that one. Yeah, but, that's a dangerous uh, one, right? I'm I'm listening to, you
0: thinking through all the implications on my own life, and right. I'm. That's, it's loaded, it's weighty, it's it's fraught with risk and, um,
1: yeah. Because, cause, I mean, you look at the early church, everybody is literally giving their lives to the church and everything that they own and possess to the church. <laughs> and just the way the world is now, it's, you know, Like I said, this is my house, this is my car, this is my money, this is my food, but it's also, this is my time, you know, this is my space, this is my life, this is my, like, these are my beliefs, these are, you know, so it's like, everything now is so individualistic, and then you look at scripture like this, and it's hard to even comprehend, like, how, I don't know the right word, like, on individualistic it was how communal it was communal so
0: let's dig into the nuance of Ananias yeah uh, he shows up and um, verse 2 says kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest to put it at the apostles feet um, and, and Peter is just hot and verse 4 didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal you have not lied to humans but to God like the, what I love about Peter's rebuke in this is he is he's calling out the correct thing um, even in the weight of is my Josh Reynolds heart ready to live communally with all my possessions, my, my. Am I ready to get rid of the word my and move that to our? I'm honest to say no, I'm not mm-hmm. yet. But I want to move towards that. Um, and I think that's what Peter's calling out. I think Peter's said, Ananias, this, this was yours. But what you did instead of, of giving it was... You lied, and said, "Yeah, like it wasn't about the money." Is what I'm understanding. Yeah, it's
1: the intent behind it, right? And I, th- it's interesting. Like, it- it's not that like Peter. I don't, or not Peter. Uh, Ananias, you know, he gave this money, but it's the intent behind the giving, right? Is he giving the money for the church, or is he giving the money? for his own personal wants and goals and his for his own gain rather than the church. Essentially church's it's
0: gain. to be esteemed in the eyes of the church. Right. Esteemed and so because he says here. And it that's is. why that's
1: why I threw that slide in of uh, what's it say? I've got it pulled right here. Um,
0: this was actually my favorite slide in the whole deck. It says in an eye Sapphira want to be wanted to be known as distinguished disciples,
1: without actually being known. Yeah, I think now that I think back on, it, I think that that slide was heavily influenced. I think by Matthew Henry. I was reading oh. his commentary. I think I think it was Matthew Henry that kind of he mentioned something about um, wanting to become. I don't know if he would use the word distinguished, but distinguished disciples, um, and so I think you know they they wanted to be known as these great givers as these prominent disciples of Christ who were giving it all to the church, and they wanted to be revered in that way. (laughs) But if people truly knew who they were, they would see that that's not who they were. Mm. Um, So they wanted to be known as one thing, but if they were actually known, they would be seen as something completely different. And that hypocrisy, I think, is 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 the root of this whole um, one of the roots of this whole passage of the whole story of Ananias and Sapphira. In that, you know, I I mentioned this too, and I used this this phrase back in February when I did the Judgment Sandwich. But you know, hypocrisy kills the individual just like how it kills the entire community. Mm. So not only in my personal relationship with the Lord, like hypocrisy is going to impact that in a negative way, but like if a whole community is hypocritical as well, like, you know, like for example, the church, if, and so, you know, it's kind of, you know, I think back to the fig tree, right? Like Jesus curses his fig tree because it's, making itself look like right. it's producing fruit. It's got these, you know, big green leaves, like it looks healthy. And then all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, uh-oh, no you figs. Know, like, no figs. And no so um, here it's, here's all this money. I'm doing all these things. But what, like what's actually happening? Deceit. You know, the lie is it. underneath it. And so rather than allowing that deceit, hypocrisy, um, just lack of authenticity enter into what at this point is a really good thing happening within the church. Um, I, mean, I think the Holy Spirit through Peter rebukes Ananias and Sapphira, sure. and I think what's important to note is it even says it in um, Scripture. I can pull it up. put a load here. Um, what does it say? It's in Acts 5. It talks about essentially, um, you know, it says, oh, here it is, Um, you know, Acts 5, verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who had heard about these events. So, you know, it's just that one at the very end of the Ananias and Sapphira section in Acts 5, you have this verse that essentially is showing the impact of god's judgment on ananias and sapphira yeah. and so you know it's and a couple students brought this up and it's something that like i had to wrestle with and i still wrestle with a little bit but like why in his judgment of ananias and sapphira did the lord have to kill them uh-huh. in the situation because for me like i know that i there are parts of my life that are hypocritical deceptive right like not authentic right why am i not lying on the floor dead absolutely you know like why are you not lying on the floor dead why are all our listeners not lying on the floor dead and so because if if by logic you see in this scripture precedent in this section was set of yeah god's gonna kill you know those people who are deceptive right i got two thoughts um how did you answer
0: the question that a student raises like that, yeah. or or a comment that a student makes. How do you, as a, as a, as a pastor, like truly with the with the call in his life to be a pastor? How do you speak back into man? That that is a hot potato. <laughs> how do you speak back to the room?
1: Yeah, um.
0: as someone says it, because someone's brave enough to articulate it, but we know other people are feeling it. Because you and yeah. I have encountered that in our own preparation. So it's not a it's not a weird one. We just want to value and honor someone's boldness to say it and honor the question. So how do you answer?
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, it's definitely a complex issue. And I think the first step is just acknowledging, like, it's okay to, at first, when you first read this, be like, yo, like, what is going on? You know, like, why, like why you know, it's okay to ask question why. It's okay for it to not sit well because, I mean, death is not something that I don't think that should sit well with anyone. Love them. Um, and then, you know, also allowing people to understand, like, it's okay to, under, like, to think, like, logically, if this happened to them, could this happen to me? Right. Could this happen to the people I know and love? Absolutely. Like, could this happen to other people? And logically, I mean, the answer is still yes, regardless. <laughs> But I think the first thing they need to talk about is the like who is making this judgment, and it is not Peter. You know, it's the Holy Spirit through Peter. So essentially, I mean, not essentially, but it is God right. who's coming in making this judgment. But you got to think of the nature and character of God, and that He's a holy, just, good God. Mm who knows everything about Sapphira and Ananias in the context. And so um, as a a believer, I have to trust that God made that decision and was correct in his decision. And I fully believe that. I may not understand it, Mm. But based off of the precedents that God has set of who his character is I, I, I can firmly I can firmly believe that his judgment was just mm. um, and it's not my call I mean the, the the wages of sin you know in the Bible is death right so you know, we have death for sin in this story so at that level I think it's justified but also you know God has. He knows a lot more than we do. It's, what is it? What is it? Like Isaiah 55? Um, just kind of talking about like our intellectual capability against God. So I could be wrong in that verse. But um, but also too, like you also have to look at like, I was listening to one of Marty Solomon's Bama podcasts. Um, and he was mentioned about how oftentimes, you know, in, in scripture when we see miracles or um especially from, like, Jesus happened, you know, it's not, that they're not just willy-nilly random, if that makes sense. Like, they're used to make a point, to teach others to have an impact um, mm-hmm. beyond just, you know, doing something miraculous. And I think in this story, like, we have to recognize that this was a message to yeah. the young church as well of, like, this is not going to be tolerated. Love like that. Because like verse 11, you know, it says great fear seized the church. Um, and so I think it goes back to the whole like, you know, we're to rejoice with trembling, yeah. like, Like, I, I think it's just, it, it is a complex issue, but I think at the end of the day, one, God is just. Mm-hmm. and will make the right call no matter what and he and it's not like he like wants to kill people like i i i think that is ex- just 100 against his character to want to kill people right um and it's not our place to enter into his spot and judge others and to say god no, you were wrong in the situation like i even though i may in my like finite mind disagree with it um or from my like 2019 perspective on it. I initially disagree with it. I got to trust that the Lord made the right call. Two, who was the intended audience? um, And and what was the intended impact? Um, And three, I just think, you know, I said it earlier, but Jesus is going to take care of his bride, the church. So, you know, this is caring for that church. It's pruning the bad to make room for the good. Mm. Um, Because if you allow a little bit of leaven in your dough. Right. Bit the loaf like is is gonna be. I like that.
0: So the so the second hot potato is, if it's just judgment, and we know from scripture that God looks at the heart, and so judgment is always at, you know. I like the pruning John fifteen idea in connection with it. So the question of the question of the evening is. So we texted about it. What yeah. is Ananias and Sapphira? Was this condemning of them eternally? Or was this the judgment of death? And yet God also, they're a part of the church. Like well, how do you divide it? How do you hold that tension of, man, yeah, death is not, immediate death is
1: not eternal, mm-hmm. right? It's just judgment. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a just
0: death. In response but to the Was
1: lie. there also a combo of like oh. judgment and condemnation? Yeah. That's a good question. And that's something I've been wrestling with. Um <laughs> and so like initially like I look at scripture and I see, you know, Acts four thirty two, it says all the believers were one in heart and mind, you know, talking about this church. And then we you know it talks about um Barnabas selling his field. Um, Donating it you know, all, putting it the apostles' feet, and then we hit Acts five, which, you know, the way the Bible lays it out is separated. So like, I haven't, I haven't like fully dove into this yet, but like, do Sapphira and Ananias fall under the all the believers? Do they fall into the disciples in the church, and they just happen to make a You know, they happen to fall, you know, into sin. Um, in that regard, right, um, and so. Um,
0: so here's here's my here's my thought. I think Luke as a writer has a purpose. I think he has a clear goal, and I do not think it's ironic that Barney and Ananias and Sapphira are are back to back. Yeah. So when I grab Barnabas um, from thirty six four thirty six. He shows up in Acts 9, Acts 11, Acts 13, 1 Corinthians, Galatians uh, multiple times. And the crazy piece of this is he becomes a character in our story because of the way that he lives among the believers. Like He is the guy that is going to take uh, Saul to Paul's hand for a while and and rocks and missionary journeys. Like, Barnabas is a giant of the faith. And so I don't believe that, um, I don't believe that the timeline necessarily, as we read it from a Western flat perspective, <laughs> like chronologically, <laughs> I don't know that there's no space in between. Um, I just think that Luke is proving a point, which is we can have outward, uh, Actions and we can make choices that look good uh, but that still reveal the character of our heart. And I think the hope of the Christian faith is that not only does God know our hearts, but He holds us. And so if I'm if I'm a believer, my sin is not held against me because Mm -hmm. of the work of Christ. And so for my eternally optimistic seat over here on this awesome cream couch <laughs> i hope that ananias and sapphira were a part of the believers mm-hmm. who were learning the story and the message of jesus and that i hope they just i hope they made a mistake yeah. because my life is fraught with mistakes um and death feels harsh i think you did a nice job of helping give that color. But there's a difference between physical death in our world and condemnation eternally. Mm -hmm. And so my eternally optimistic hope
1: is Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and
1: uh, I and like I said, I haven't I mean come close to fully digesting this topic yet, but I think what what initially bothers me is why would and I there's a lot of layers I'm not gonna get into on this, so like but, but like why would God kill Ananias and Sapphire and then immediately condemn them without giving them the chance at repentance. But like I said, there's a lot of other layers and I understand that, but like so so the hope for me, again, eternally
0: optimistic uh-huh. Reynolds over here, I've got John ten. And when a sheep knows his shepherd, the shepherd holds a sheep and nothing can take you out of his hand. Which is beautiful because what I watch in the selling of the field and giving is an attempt to do and to follow the model. They just do it wrong. (laughs) They just do it wrong because they do it with lying and deceit. They say it's the (laughs) whole thing when it's not. And yeah. there's a simplicity in my mind that, again, I want to afford them.
1: But this side of heaven, it's really hard to say so. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and like I said, like we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast, you know, it's not our place to make those judgment calls. Right. Which, thank goodness. Thanks. Good goodness. <laughs> That's too much. That's too I, much. I, I, I just can't. Right, because as soon as I make uh, that
0: judgment call on someone, I have to apply it to myself. Yeah,
1: well, and something, too, that's interesting is, you know, in this story, we, uh, I think we, we'd be foolish, isn't our answer, but, like, you know, we, we have to look at two, you know, so our, our chunk of Scripture was 432 all the way through 516. Right. And 12 through 16 in chapter 5 are separate in relation to Ananias and Sapphira. And so going back to your initial point of like good to kind of not so good, back to good. um, I can't remember who I was reading. It was one of of the commentaries I was reading, but it it, it said something along the lines of like we see in verse 12, God returns to his seat of mercy Hmm. and grace. Um, uh, It's just interesting how... um, you know, we have this little blip in the timeline of the early church, and then we see um, immediately after, uh, you know, there's, you know, the, the Bible is saying all the believers, um, you know, or the apostles formed many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Yeah. Um, you know, no one else there joined them, you know, they were highly regarded by the people. Right. Nevertheless, more and more men and women, which side note, I think this is one of the first times that like women believers are really talked about. Yeah. Uh, I read that somewhere. Cool. I haven't had a chance to look back. Shout out to all the ladies. Hey, yeah. Um, But it says, you know, more and more men and women uh, believed in the Lord and were added. Uh, to their number right. um, as a result and then it just lists all these things that the people are doing Yeah, uh, and so I think you know we have this little blip in the timeline of the early church right. but it's not it doesn't derail yeah. the church and so yes God makes this judgment but right. then he also allows space for like I don't know, space or right, over, but like he allows the church to really kind of get back on the rails and just keep keep steaming down the, the, the I love tracks. your
0: pruning analogy. Like mm-hmm. pruning always hurts.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: I mean you're you're functionally cutting off limbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Arms. Yeah. Like pieces of a tree that you have personally grown. Mm-hmm. Like things that have come out of you, habits that I have formed in my life. And to prune them is the cold turkey cut them off. It always hurts. Yeah. Um, but the outcome of getting rid of habits or, or asking forgiveness from deceit, from a lie where I've done that, is fruit. Like the outcome is health. Yeah. The, the, the point of pruning is, is greater fruit. Yeah. Which is an incredible metaphor and i I really love it yeah i really love it all right we're about to the end of our 20 minute podcast here we're well over uh,
1: (laughs) i don't even know where we're at i looked at my watch and we're from after we started i looked at my watch at some point and we're 26 minutes from that point so (laughs) (laughs) so we're so we're
0: climbing to the end of, uh, of our short uh short podcast
1: it's good stuff right yeah uh this is good this is really good um yeah axe is axe is good yeah um but yeah happy to have you back in town with yep, us yep super pumped to be back um excited uh for to a continue while. yeah to continue moving through through axe um so yeah, we're good we're, we're we're quickly approaching uh uh paul here yeah and In the next you know couple months we're going to start to get into paul so that's super exciting i think because, like, when I think of New Testament, you say, name me, like, a couple people from the New Testament outside of Jesus. I mean, Paul is going to be on probably 90% of the people's list. Like, arguably, like, Paul had is one of the most influential people in history. So, um, mm-hmm. outside of, like, you know, Jesus, he you can make an argument. He is, like, one of the most influential, if not the, um, just in terms of the impact he's had on the world for thousands of years. Especially to
0: us as non-Jewish, the way that Paul is intentionally framing the the big C church to be kingdom mindset rather than Mm -hmm. religious-oriented, and the way that he draws all the narrative of the Old Testament, but then makes it available to those who do not come from that heritage, Yeah, and he's going to graft us in back to our planet metaphors. It's good stuff. Yep. All right. We are on to uh, 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 fall break, which is uh, worship under the stars, encounter under the stars out at Jack Craig's cabin Mm. this week. Um, Yeah. And this is the first time that we're actually going to see persecution in the church. So, Mm. Paul, or I'm sorry, Peter and and john have spent the night in jail uh but this time they're it's going to happen again but this time they're going to be beaten uh and the holy spirit's going to yeah. show up again and do some silly things yep so excited for that yeah. all right hang on the podcast josh reynolds uh josh at csf org with questions comments concerns or places where we we got it wrong yeah we're happy to buy coffee and put you on the Hangover with yeah, us. anytime, any place. <laughs> All right, take care.